That was beautiful, and uh, I was happy to, to watch that. That was just lovely. Um, it is a great day to be celebrating dads, and I hope that you guys get to go out do some barbecue for all you guys that like steak out there. I hope that that's something that you get to do. So today's message, we're moving into a new sermon series called Mission and Rest. And the reason I'm putting those two together is because it's very simple for us to get all caught up in mission and burn out, or get so caught up in resting and feeling comfortable that we never actually obey what Jesus is calling us to. And so there's this tension that we feel in our finite life and in the life of a church where we are on mission and on re- and resting. And so the sermon series is actually going to come from the Gospel of John. And uh, Jesus just, John records Jesus' words, and it separates into around four chapters. Um, and so we're going to take little bits of these chapters. But I would love it if you would familiarize yourself with John chapter 14 to 17 over the next few weeks. It means reading a chapter a week or reading all four chapters every single week and having that, having that go on and, and continue to uh, just be feeding you over the next few weeks. Those four chapters, we're only going to take four weeks to do four chapters instead of six months to do six chapters. And so that's really, really good. Um, so we're, we're just going to look into mission and rest and it's really important for us to do that. Let me open up in prayer, and then we're going to dive into this. God, we thank you so much that you have called us to be your own, that you have chosen to be our Father who is in heaven, that you have chosen to be involved in our life to the point that you became one of us, you became human and walked among us in the person of Jesus Christ. And we're so grateful for your love and your invitation into participation with what you're doing. And so Jesus, today I pray a blessing on every family. I pray a blessing on every person. God, I pray that you would open up our hearts to hear your message, your challenging message today as we talk about mission. God, that you would allow us to organize in such a way that we can participate in your mission in an organized way. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. So today during the service, if you want to be commenting and interacting, you can do that on promisechurch.community under today's message, and you can type in a question. It comes right to me, shows up on my computer right in front of me, and I'll be able to interrupt the message and deal with your question or your comment. Or you could do it on Slack if you're part of our church community, um, and so we are able to uh, interact immediately, and I'll be, I've got to open on my screen right now to talk about what the message is and what God is leading you in today as well, because your voice is important in the messages as the Holy Spirit speaks through you. So these four chapters of John, 14, 15, 16, and 17, outline some of the things that Jesus sees as his desire for the church. I have been studying church structure my entire life, ever since I was really young. I, uh, I've been looking at the way churches run, and, and it was a passion of mine because of what God was preparing me for. And so when Jesus talks about what he's looking for for his church, then you, you just you pay attention because he's the one that can set the benchmark. 
Now, the reality is, the maybe alarmingly honest thing is, is that church, the way that we do it right now, is not actually in existence in the Bible. It doesn't actually exist. What we learned in seminary and had great discussions around was the fact that maybe God was being timeless and brilliant in that he did not give us a set liturgy that every single day you gather, you have to do this and that. There are certain things that are required. There are certain things that Jesus says, absolutely, you do this. Something like Lord's Supper, communion, which is what we did today. And so this was really uh, something that we took on, and, and we said, yes, this is something that, that needs to incorporate. We see that, that we need to gather together. Yes, that's something we need to do. But in terms of the format, what does it look like? Yeah, what we do actually isn't delineated in Scripture. Um, and so it doesn't, it doesn't exist. But we need the humility we need the humility to be able to look to Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, what are you looking for when you see your believers in action? So today we start with a base text for the entire sermon, for the entire sermon series, and it's right here, John 14, 12 to 14. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, that means you're part of the church, whoever believes in me, Here's the expectation. We'll also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So Jesus expects his followers to imitate his works. There's a fundamental piece right here. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Jesus has an expectation that the people who call him Christ, Lord, Savior, participate in the works that he does. I mean, I think it's clear, and we've seen it over the years, but the church structure and what we've made of church is a little bit co-opted because we don't do the things that Jesus did. We have four biographies of Jesus' life, four biographies recording what he did, and when we compare that to the church, current church structures, there's a disparity. There's an obvious difference between Jesus' mission and the church's mission. And Jesus says, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do. This isn't about salvation. This is about mission. It's what we invest ourselves in. It's what we care about. It's what we move towards. It's why we exist as a corporate body. So years ago, before we were born, the church was co-opted. It was changed. You know, I want us to come to a place 
where we join with Jesus' activity and his mission and see this as our reality. Think about it. The word Christian means little Christs. What would it look like if just the 120 of us started to go and act like Jesus? Oh, but we can't do that. But we can do it. What does it look like? And that's not a, that's not a pressure question. That's an exploration question. What might it look like if all of us in our situation, if all of us started to look like little Christs? What does, what does that mean? How does, it, how does it appear? See, the church was informed by the individualized American dream. In so many ways, our church in North America has been informed, informed by a view of individualism. It's been informed by a view of my faith is my faith, it's private, your faith is your faith, and we never actually engage with the other. The church and our culture has, has put spirituality into the sphere of private. And so what we've done is, is we have said, oh well, everything is individual. Your salvation, your conversion moment, your preference at church, your individual thought. Yet when Jesus was walking in the world, the, the whole world was a communal idea. Everything was built around the collective, the communal people, the people of Israel, the people of Rome, the people of the family, the tribe, not just a small individual nuclear family, but the tribe was this extension of people. And so <clears throat> we, we have, have kind of said, oh, well, church is for the individual, and so we plug into these individual private little systems where you come to church, but you don't actually have to talk to anybody, even more so in COVID. You know, because it's impossible really to talk to people. And so we're really stuck in an individualization of the church. And what we have to do then is church then structures as an attraction model. A church has to be attractive. It has to be fun. It has to be light and showy. And it's got to have this nice flow to it. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. But that's what's happened in, in the church. It kind of got co-opted. And when we look at Jesus saying, the people who believe in me, the Christians, that's what they became called later, will do the works that I do. That's Jesus' metric. And we look at our church today and we go, does that look like the way Jesus lived his life? Are these two things the same? See, when the church tries to appease a larger market, it becomes co-opted. Now, what did we do? In North America, we did this. We said, oh, well, we want people to accept Jesus, so we're going to be as attractive as possible. We're going to put lights and smoke and shine and program and all of this stuff that you can come and sit to like, like you go to a movie. 
And we force the individuals who call themselves Christian, we force them into a position of critics. Because there's nothing actually to do except for to evaluate, did the pastor do a good, a good job today? There's nothing to really do except for be a critic and say, oh, I wish that that song was sung a little bit better today. And that's the fault of church, church structures, church leadership, where we've led people into this. And so at Promise Church, we actually want to take a look at the mission of Jesus, the people who were empowered by God to do the works that Jesus did. So that begs a huge question. You know, what, what we're supposed to be what we're supposed to be. Wouldn't Jesus imagine the church? He imagined a people that were spread all over the world doing what he does. Once again, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. The church today has gone in the other direction. Lesser things can you do. The church itself is so is set up so that you're entertained. Are you not entertained? It's encouraging you. It's like, oh yeah, we'll just make you feel nice. Oh, you don't want to talk about sin? That's okay, we'll just not talk about it. We'll just make you feel comfortable. And my heart breaks over this. This is not what every church does. This is, no pastor gets up in the morning and says, this is what I want to do. No pastor, I'm not trying to throw any pastor under the bus here. No pastor wakes up and says, you know, I'd really just like to have a whole bunch of pew sitters that just come to church. There's nobody that wants that. Nobody likes that. Every pastor I know says, no, God has something way bigger for the church. This is... This is what we want to see happen. We want to see people who are able to move, and so God is calling us as leaders, us as people filled with His Spirit, to move and to act and to, and to, be, to be involved and engaged. And so we as people, we as people need to say, what did Jesus do? Let's look at the real solution. What did Jesus do? When Jesus says, you will do the works that I do, it's an invitation. We're being invited into a powerful um, front of world impact. We've seen the church historically actually do it, I, I think of, of the history of William Booth. Oh, William Booth was, was a wonderful man of God, and he spent his time in prayer, and he caught what he called spirit fire. And that spirit fire moved him to say, I am going to foreshadow what it looks like when the, when the hand of God, which is the church, works towards 
fixing the needs of people. And out of that movement where the Holy Spirit just caught the church and the people started working together in an organized way, people were changed. They, they had church services where prostitutes would come into the front of the church and say, I want to live a different type of life. I want a life that makes a difference in this world. I want to make a difference. I want to see things happen. And the Holy Spirit caught people's hearts and minds and they started to change the world around them. And they still change the world around them in, under the banner of the Salvation Army. That is a beautiful example of when the church catches a mission and says, absolutely, let's participate with God. Let's, let's not just sit in a service and be forced into the position of being a critic, but let's actually build our church. Let's build our church structure around participation in the types of works that Jesus did. Let's, let's actually do this together. And they participated in feeding homeless, in getting drug addicts off of the street and getting them sober. They participated in all kinds of things. Um, Ron says that the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but will, they will have itching ears so that they will accumulate for themselves treasure, teachers to suit their own passions. And so churches are built around people sometimes who just want to hear the nice message. And, and Frank says that we are God's workmanship created to do the works that he's created us to do. Let us just find the works that God's prepared for. Guys, this is the call of the church. The mission of the church is to be the body of Christ, moving, acting, showing, love, grace, healing. This is what we do. Let us organize for action. We have to. The real solution is that we look at the works that Jesus did and work side by side. Paul affirms this in Ephesians 4, 12 and 13. He says, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. You are the saints. The ministry is not this. Guys, this right here, me, this is not the ministry. We are to work together to equip the saints. I and the leadership of this church are committed to equip every Christian to do the works that Jesus did. The verse says, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Amen. This is what you could expect from a church that's working on mission. Here's what you could expect. You should expect that you personally will be equipped to do ministry. You personally will be equipped to do ministry where we will invest in you. We are building the structures to say, yes, we want to let people go. We want to help people along because, holy cow, it's intimidating. 
But our God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Yeah, it's intimidating, but we as a church leadership are here to equip you to do ministry. And sometimes ministry is way easier than we make it out to be, because it's not this. This is teaching. This is encouraging. This is good. But ministry is when the body of Christ does the work of Christ in the world. That's ministry. So the work of the ministry is the works that Jesus did. God's vision of the church will be and, uh, sorry, God's vision of the church was to be a continued embodiment of his presence in the world. That's what we're talking about today. The church's mission is to be the little Christs filled with the Spirit, walking in the world, doing the works of Jesus. We are the presence of God in the world, the Holy Spirit in us. Look at this, look at this. We have the Holy Spirit in us. That is God's presence residing in the world. I know we believe in the, in the, in the God who is everywhere, yes, but God's Spirit resides in us. And from that, God's actions are done. When we don't act, the world is lost. There was a great Christian leader who used to say the church is the hope of the world. And the reason he would say that is because God has wrapped himself up in his people. It's different than God's Old Testament piece where, where the temple of God was the presence of God. It is now in us. There's a huge theological piece there that I'm not going to get into today, but God's presence in the world is through his church. And for people who say, where is God in the world? Something resonates right there, doesn't it? If God's presence in the world is through his people, then where is God in the world? Church is not limited to Sunday morning or it serves us as an element of our church. But guys, that's not us. Churches are the people of God, united in groups doing the works of God. There's some good ecclesiology right there. Churches are dying. Churches are dying because they've lost the mission. Here's what church is. Here's Jesus' vision. People doing the works that God did. We do Sunday services. Churches are dying. They're dying. So I'm going to throw this out. While I answer a question on Slack, it's a really good question coming, I'm going to ask a question to Slack. What are the works that Jesus did? I want you to just use your, use your imagination, use your memory, 
I want you to, to consult the Gospels. What are the works that Jesus did? Just start listing them on Slack. We'll read that out in a second. But the question I'm going to ask right now comes from a congregation member. And he says, why does God want us to do his work with or for him? Why can't he just do it himself? Because God loves us so much that he doesn't want to come in as a power-hungry, more powerful being to force us into his will, into his way. He has become one of us to show us partnership, to show us that he wants to live with us and make all things right. And it is in this agreed partnership in the faith and the faithfulness of Jesus that, we, that Jesus comes alongside of us and says, I'm going to elevate you from your lowly estate. I'm going to give you purpose beyond what you think that tomorrow brings. I'm going to give you an eternal purpose. I'm going to give you a reason. I'm going to give you something that you could die for. I'm going to give you hope. And you can't do that from a top-down, you know, more powerful, just does it for everything. You can't do that. If you've ever been a parent, you understand. God is our great Father who wants us to come alongside of Him. What does Jesus do? He feeds the hungry. He sets the captives free. Except for John the Baptist. He didn't set him free. He takes care of the widows and the orphans. He makes the blind see. Jesus brings hope. He binds up the brokenhearted. He, his, his broken bodies are healed. He forgave and he healed miracles. He cured the sick and he turns water into wine. Praise Jesus. He makes the lame walk. He serves other people. When his rightful place was to rule, he serves. He forgave the sinners. He changed the way the community is. He worked hard. He did not make money. He did not buy an expensive house. Thank you very much. <laughs> he went on cool vacations. No, he did not. Thank you very much. He changed water into wine. He healed royal, uh, the royal official's son. He healed the paralytic. He fed the 5,000. Jesus walked on water. He healed the blind man. He rose Lazarus from the dead. He will do the works that I do. He revealed what was not seen to be shown. Amen. There's our mission. Right there. You guys just articulated it. There's our mission. You want to know what it is to be a disciple of Jesus? It's to be a person who follows Jesus, who actually does what Jesus does. And you know what it is to be a church? It's to be a, a, an organization of people who actually organize to be able to facilitate us doing what Jesus does. So let me actually take a look at a couple things that we're working on. Promise Church is calling people to participate in the mission that we, of, of discipleship. We've been called to participate. 
So what are we doing? We're doing rapid response team. Now I just want to flesh this out a little bit more. When, when something stirs you to compassion, when, when you observe something that is wrong and you go, wow, how can we as a church body do something? The church has a rapid response team. Now the purpose of the rapid response team is to open up the, the resources of the church they have a budget that they can open up and they can say, yeah, we can, we can invest in that. But then Slack is where we start to say, hey, can I get some people coming alongside of us to help us do something here? The church is resourcing it financially. The people are coming alongside and we can respond. Do the works that Jesus did. That's what the rapid response team is about. We're trying to open it up so that our church structure isn't just Sundays, but we're moving inside of our community. Jesus was moved with compassion, and he healed those who were sick among them. Jesus was moved with compassion, and he fed 5,000 people. When we're moved with compassion, bring it to Promise Church and say, I'm being moved with compassion. Is anybody else being moved moved to compassion? Let's do something about this. Let's rapidly respond. Okay. Everybody on Slack, you have been included in street barbecues, the, the, the hashtag, and I'm going to give you a little bit of an of a, of a insight into it. What we're doing, again, we have seen that the world needs, right now our Adopt-A-Street program showed us that the world needs, our world needs community healing. We've been isolated. We have been set away from each other for 15 months. And now we need community. And so what we're going to do at Promise Church is we're going to do street barbecues. We're doing street barbecues. Why? Because they bring people together. They show the love of Jesus. And we're going to put these, this street barbecue stuff into the Promise Church trailer. We're going to, we're going to have a, a barbecue. We're going, to have, um, we're going to have all the food that you need. We've got the sound equipment. We've got all the cutlery that you need. We have the tables. We've got the Promise Church tent. We're going to show up at your house. Once you give us permission, we're going to show up and we're going to be like, yeah, let's do this. Let's do this, because, because what are we doing? We are bringing healing to a broken community. A bunch of individuals who need to actually start engaging with each other. And we bring healing to that. And we do, I want to do 12, October, September, or August, September, we're going to have 12 set-aside times. And, and this is where we're going to say, let's just serve. Oh wait, we see Jesus serving, so we know it's the right thing to do. Do the works that I did. Let's do that. We've got promise grants. We're going to be running promise grants consistently from now on. It is just going to be, there will always be a promise grant running. One is starting next week. If you want in on a promise grant, we don't even know what we're doing yet. That's the joy of promise grants. We get to create it. We get to plan it. We get to work alongside non-Christians. So if you are not yet in, a, in or you've never done a promise grant, then, then contact Danielle, contact Pamela. There's one starting in a week and a half. We want to get people involved. Let's do things. It matters. Yeah, it's a significant change, but you know what? This is what matters. The mission of Jesus is to reach the people of his creation to say, come, I want to be with you, and the Holy Spirit resides within us, which means we should be drawn to the people that do not know Jesus. We should be there because God wants to be with them. And so let's do that. My job as a pastor is not just limited to Sunday services. My job is to facilitate our community 
moving together so that we don't throw everybody out as individuals and say, oh yeah, you should go figure out how to do that. Oh, I know you're scared, just suck it up. No, we're going to do this together. We're going to do it together. We're going to work together. We're going to do our best because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. When I do God's work, always with another person, I know who I'm working with or for. The other person gets to experience the love and the person of God in and through me, and then I get to speak to their heart and their life. Thank you so much. That's exactly it. When I partner with somebody the way God partners with me, I'll partner with somebody that doesn't know God. We get to work together, and they get to see who I am genuinely and who God is, and we can speak the truth in that setting. So I'm going to end with this question. What a great question here. How do I live this out in my day-to-day life? Most of us can't give away our possessions and go preach the gospel in the Amazon. How do I incorporate it into my work? How do I, for instance, renovate houses, work in customer service, build cabinets for Jesus? You do it with integrity, sure, but here's the point. You allow your work to be your work. You do that with all the integrity that the Holy Spirit's put in you, and you, you show compassion, but you join with your church community in as much as possible and do the work of Christ. So you, you come home from work, and you say, let's prepare for a barbecue where there's a couple other people from our church that's going to help serve it, so it's not all on my shoulders. It's not all on me that, oh man, now I'm done a tired day of work. Now, no, we come together, and we work side by side. When you're at work, be the person God's called you to be. Have integrity. Allow that to, to just exist. But we've been called to do the, the work of Jesus together. It was never meant to be carried alone. And the evangelical church, in its idea of wanting to set up church systems where Sunday morning is where you learn and then you go and get sent out, we sent out people individually. Jesus never sent out people individually. Never. And so we need to do what Jesus did facilitate and organize the way that Jesus did so that we can actually participate in the mission that Jesus has for us. Next week, we're going to talk about the love of Sunday mornings and and the rest that they can bring. But today, it's about mission. Guys, I've gone a little long, but I I was encouraged. (laughs) Let me pray. Holy Spirit, we need you more than ever. Because on our own, we are just a bunch of sounding gongs or or clanging cymbals. Stuck inside of our structure, we might be at best critics. But Jesus, we rely on you and trust that you have sent the advocate, the Holy Spirit, to dwell inside of us, to empower us to do the works that you did. And you talked about greater works. We didn't even touch on that today. God, it's already enough of a bar just to actually do what you did. Holy Spirit, we need you. Come and fill us. This is all just a pipe dream unless you, Holy Spirit, fill us, bind us together, give us the systems and structures to work in that allow us to be the people you've called us to be, Christians, little Christ walking in our towns. Build us with compassion, 
with love, with grace, with hope. Let our actions foreshadow the fulfillment of your kingdom and your promises. In Jesus' name. God, we're, we're so thankful. We're so thankful. Amen. God bless you, Promise Church. I hope that you're encouraged, and I know that we are really looking forward to getting together. Now you know a little bit about what street barbecues are. You're going to hear more about it next week, and it's so exciting. So God bless you.